Hi guys, this is Ashwan. This is Service Design Show, episode 158. Hi, my name is Mark Fontaine and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Service Design Show. On this show, we explore what's beneath the surface of service design. What are those hidden things that make all the difference between success and failure, all to help you design great services that have a positive impact on people, business and our planet. Over the years, I've been approached by many service design professionals from China. We recently even launched the official Xiaohongshu Service Design Show channel to give more people access to these interviews. So there definitely seems to be growing interest in the practice over there. But I always found it difficult to get a good sense of how service design is evolving in China and I really wanted to learn more about what's going on. So I was lucky to get connected to the guest in this episode, Ji Xuan Zhong, who witnessed the evolution of the practice up close and even helped to shape it. Having grown up in China and now living in San Francisco, Ji Xuan is in a great position to give us both perspective, help us to understand the differences and similarities. So at the end of this episode, you'll know what is the state of service design in China, which kinds of services are being designed and which ones aren't and where the practice is heading to in the next couple of years. I learned a ton from the conversation with Jishuan and I hope you will as well. Exploring areas that you're unfamiliar with is an important part of becoming a more mature service design professional. And one of the areas that's still unexplored by many and where there's still a lot of room for growth is knowing how to communicate the benefits of your work to business stakeholders. I know from my own experience that it can be really frustrating when you know that you can create value and have a positive contribution in the business, but find it hard to help others see this as well, especially when the other people are the ones who are calling the shots regardless whether you're working with external clients or internal stakeholders. Now, wouldn't it be great if you would have a simple language that helps non-designers to quickly understand the benefits of your work? If you could work on more interesting challenges where you get the space to influence important decisions and if you would be able to have better conversations with business stakeholders who appreciate and see the value of your skill set. Well, that's exactly what I want to help you with in the Selling Service Design with Confidence program. It's a seven week program where you're going to learn why finding buy-in for service design seems so hard and of course, how you can fix that. You're going to learn practical frameworks and tools that help you to close the gap between business and design once and for all. And you'll learn how to communicate this message in a way that aligns with who you are and do it with confidence. Many professionals who join the program don't have a formal service design degree. They learn most of what they know by themselves while doing the work on the job. And at some point, almost everyone starts to question, am I doing it right? That's why in the program you'll become part of an intimate community of professionals who are on exactly the same journey as you are. You'll be able to look over their shoulder and see how they approach the practice. This not only gives you a benchmark on how well you're doing, but also gives you new and fresh perspective on how things could be done. Next to all the lessons and exercises, this community aspect has proven to be an invaluable part of the program and something that is really hard to find anywhere else. So if you want to become a more mature service design professional and take the next step in your career, 
consider joining the program. The deadline to apply for the last and final group of this year is September 30th, 2022. There is a limited number of seats available in this group, so if you want to increase the chance of securing a spot, make sure you send in your application as soon as possible. When this group fills up, you won't be able to join the program this year anymore. For all the details about the program and instructions on how to apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash confidence. So that's servicedesignshow.com slash confidence. And you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. So that about wraps it up for the introduction. Now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation with Jishuan. Let the show begin. Welcome to the show, Jishuan. Hi, hi, Mark. How's it going? It's going awesome. It's pretty warm in uh, in the Netherlands, but uh, I heard that it's uh, warm in other areas of the world as well. We're managing. Um, just one, we're going to talk about a topic which hasn't been covered on the show a lot, unfortunately, and I wish it was uh, covered more often. So hopefully this will be sort of uh, uh, a first uh, first episode. Um, you're based in the States currently, but that's not your background. But uh, maybe you could share a bit more about uh, what you do today and then we'll get to what you've been doing in the past uh, in a moment. Oh, cool. So uh, my name is Ashwan. So I actually, my background is, I came from China. I moved to the U.S. about uh, eight years, nine years ago. Uh, I was leading the design practice out there in China. Um, I served a company called ThoughtWorks. It's a global technology and design consultancy company. So we're probably the first company back in China, like, one of the first, like doing the service design, design thinking, design consultancy out there. So right now I'm based in San Francisco. I basically do a lot of like projects solving complex problems for stakeholders, like high level you know, executives, building strategy and tech, data design, everything. So that's really my background. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, we could have dived into so many different topics with you, but uh, eventually, I was a bit selfish and I picked the topic of discussing service design in China because I think that's the yeah, thing no that problem. you sort of have a unique perspective on and unique experience with, but we could have picked many other topics with your experience. Uh, before we dive into that, um, we always do a lightning round. Five questions to get to know you a bit better. And your oh, goal okay. is to answer them as quickly as possible. Just the first thing that comes <laughs> to your mind. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, that's All right. What did you want to become when you were a kid? Oh, I want to be ambassadors. I want to go to other countries and representing my nations. That's, mm. That was my goal. Cool. <laughs> it ah, didn't work didn't... out, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's, there's still time. Uh, next question is, if you could work from anywhere in the world, where would you like uh -huh. to work from? Well, it doesn't really matter, to be honest, like travel a lot across the country. So I don't have a preference, like anywhere I can have a, my laptop, even in the launch, in the airport, I can work. And Fair enough. Yeah. That's, I, I don't have a lot of preference about okay. cities and locations. <laughs> uh, next question is also very interesting. I'd love to hear this one. What was your very first job? Oh, my first job? Oh, interesting. So I was working for a chip company. So in um, basically, it's, it, it was Intel. So um, I was managing their uh, equipment in a, 
in the um, laboratory. So I'm managing the equipment for preparing some courses. They're doing courses. So that's my first job. Mm. I was moving all the devices around. So that's <laughs> was about 15, 18 years ago or something. Ah, cool. Uh, you have an interesting uh, background for sure. Uh, next question is about books. I'm, I don't know if you're an avid reader or not, but uh, which book or books are you reading at this moment, if any? So I'm reading the book uh, talking about the founders, the American founders. Uh, how there are 15 different stories. They're how they are uh, arguing and fighting each other, but building the nation. So. They're basically like a, it's a big, it, to me, it's a big a service design project to design a, a country, a new country in the new continent, right? Mm. So that was a fascinating book. Talk cool. about the American founders. Yeah, and we'll, uh, we'll add a link to that. And the fifth or final question that I always ask is, do you remember the very first time you heard about service design? Well, yeah, that was back in, I think it's back in 2006 or something. So I was I doing a lot of things in, no, no, 20, I think 2007, like 07 or something. Like I was doing a lot of things around the, reading a lot of things about uh, design thinking. So every sign just one popping to my reading. So mm -hmm. hmm. there's a, a community called a service design network in Europe. So I was like following them so at the moment. I, w there was not a thing back in China, but mm. you know, that, that was the first time I heard about this term mm. about service design. Mm. And you still have some articles, I think, uh, online, uh, on when, when you were sort of exploring, <laughs> sharing your thoughts on, on service design, right? Yeah, so I wrote a, I wrote a blog, uh, run a blog, and yeah, people were reading my blogs. So service design definitely was one of my uh, topic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. So <laughs> um, let's dig into the topic of today, and uh, uh, we'll see how this conversation goes because we don't have a really um, a fixed structure. We'll uh, explore together okay. uh, which areas are interesting to share. Um, service design in China, that's the thing we're going to try to unpack, see what's going on, try to demystify it, at least for me, uh, a bit more. But before we uh, do that, or uh, to better understand that, could you share a bit about how did you get into the design space in China? Like, how did you get oh. in, in service design back then? Um, yeah. So I started doing the design when I was in, I think, high school. I was like, when I had a first like computer, I was you know, I remember I still use the publisher as a software and design book cover and also CD album covers. So that's where it's just like one my, my hobby. I love like doing the layouting, fonts, that kind of stuff. Um, then, then I I started a job like building assistance like. Uh, that's that's my first job. Even I was like, say, like I'm running all the, moving those the equipment in the laboratory. But I have a site uh, project which is building a system. So to running, you know, to really managing the course, the courseware uh, for that company, the chip company. So I, I got a chance to do something like from working from the. Uh, the coding and also designing everything together to help my um, my boss and my uh, client. I also have a lot of side projects going on. I make some money, the pocket money, by doing all the freelancer work. 
but I was not only doing the design, I also do coding everything. So it's more like end-to-end. When I joined the company called ThoughtWorks, that was only the one year after I graduated. Um, but at the moment, ThoughtWorks was a technology company. Um, it was, that was a company like doing a lot of agile work, a software development frame, uh, framework. I was the first like kind of like a designer background hired back in 2008. So I introduced a lot of practice into the company, such as using PowerPoint to do the prototyping with the client. So I showed the interface. We're building a lot of software out there. Right? You know, when when I was there, like 20, I think 08. Then a few years after, I started to create a, a design practice or design business in ThoughtWorks. That was a global thing. So we're doing a lot of different countries. We'll have a lead to do that, right? So I was leading that. By doing that, I need to do a lot of like conference talk. I need to start writing uh, blogs, hiring people. That's where I. That's how I like hire those people, building a team. So when you want to build a, because Starbucks is a consultancy company. So as a consultancy company, you need to have some IP, intellectual properties, right? So you need to understand like where you can build a service. So service design is definitely one thing because we're dealing with a lot of complex technology design problems for customers. So I use service design as a starting point and also design thinking, everything. Agile UX was one of the topics as well. So that's how I you know, start building the services around those, I, we call it offerings, but service design is definitely one of them, right? So that's how I started design journey and building a team. I was head of design, so that's that's how I started. Hmm. How how was it um, back then? Because, uh, like you said, there wasn't. Maybe people were doing it, but apparently there wasn't a lot of uh, information about it, or you had to get your information from other sources, other countries. How 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 was it back then? It's not even that long ago, I guess. Right. Uh, so yeah, there is a, some history, right? If you look at service design, uh, service design introduced as was introduced as a marketing tool, right? So that was, I think, back in 1982, service design is introduced, you know, by a, uh, I think, it's European market, uh, European Journal of Marketing or Marketing Journal, talking about service design as a term, as a practice to for marketers to understand their the target company or you know, market entity as well, right? It's not never be a, a pro, it's it's never be an the innovation tool at the very beginning. Then you have like Bridget Bridget Maker build out those SD SDNs, social uh, the services and network the service yeah. network yeah. foundation, like the build of the community thing, right? That's was like 2004, right? And she actually started lot of project back in, you know, in Germany. So uh, serving telco company, banking, and also uh, city planning. Uh, so those are three big like scenario use cases where service design became a thing, right? So back in China, if you compare this in China, a little bit different. Like I also like as a practice, people really, cause, because you have the pioneers, you know, from those design consultants company brought those good frameworks and concepts to China. People were doing this. I, I was like running workshop 
you know, I think 15 times publicly like every year. So there are a lot of people, interest people come. But I would say there's a little bit different to compare what's going on in the Europe and also U.S. versus China. If you look at the three topics, the three use cases, banking, and also the uh, telco, and also the social planning, uh, or city planning, right? They're really complex. And also it's service, they're all service-oriented industry. But in China, there is a special case. Those banking and telco stay owned. You don't have enough, the private sector, to do more innovation. There is more control, planning, you know, top-down approach, not like bottom-up, right? The that's that's one. Second one is think about the city planning. So China, the different political system, you don't have a lot of like a choice to participate into the city planning, right? So and also like that was like I, I remember twenty before in between the 20, oh, 2010 and also 20, 2015. That was a period of time in Shanghai, for example. There are a lot of NGOs. They're doing a lot of like social innovation kind of stuff. That was really before 2015. Service on was quite a good thing because helping, you know, I still remember we were doing the senior care, like kind of innovation there. There are a lot of NGOs there, right? But I think after 2015, because like geopolitical you know, reason, you know, the country limiting the NGO uh, a little bit. So that's where the social innovation piece is is going down a little bit. So that's why, you, if you understand the, thought, uh, the China, the environment is a little bit different. The three big use cases are not pretty much the thing there, right? But service is still a thing. It's it's good. Like people were using that, but driving by different forces. You know, in the Europe, and U.S. Service design is really driving by community, um, the uh, universities, and also the consultancy companies, because that's a framework that's really IP and people using that to help. Basically, it's offering. You're making money from it, right? But China is a little bit different. Um, the, the design in China, most of the cases, that's one thing you need to understand. China, China design is driven by not the consultancy company, not the you know, the, uh, the education system, it's by those top giant internet company. We're talking about Tencent, we're talking about Alibaba, we're talking about TikTok. But all those companies, they have the scale to create something fundamentally change how people live in China. And also they're absorbing, they're sucking all the good designers to join their company. So that's very different. Like when I moved to the US, I see here, you have great opportunity as a designer to join a, a consultancy company. There is a, you know, there is a big reason why you want to join the consultancy company. The design is never like driven by those big giant. Like I don't, I don't see it. Maybe like Google, for example, like material design. It's just like very little thing. You're not really drive the 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 social agenda here. The impact is very different. But China is different. In China, you have Alibaba, you have those big companies, big names. They are hiring uh, the designer. They're putting a lot of money to hire those designers. Right? A lot of design conference right now was ran by the big companies, not really the community. You don't see any design conference like 
grassrooted, community-based. It's all run by those um, big companies. So that's a situation that's you see this design service design is a little bit different because those big giant companies running uh, those agenda. So uh, that definitely helps to understand uh, a bit more about what's going on in our uh, preparation for this call. You also mentioned like, if we want to get into understanding service design in China, we basically mm -hmm. have to sort of uh, so double click on, on service and on design. So maybe we can do that a bit more like, um, how do you feel, what is the perspective on services that you see in, uh, quote unquote, the West versus how services are perceived in China? I think that also plays an important part, how service design is practiced. I think this is a big topic because to me, like, um, design or service, uh, to me is, is part of the social, the social system. It just... It's part of it. It's really hard to articulate and to describe it when you do not have a lot of knowledge to understand the different aspects of how the society is running. There is economical side of economical side of thing. There is a cultural side of thing. Historical side of thing. A lot of thing is working are working together to determine there is a service out there. People accept to it, right? So that's why when I live in, in the U.S., I see, for example, labor cost is really, really expensive. For example, right now I'm running this new flooring project. I install a new floor. I realize the floor is like 20K, but you spend like 25K for the laboring right, to install it. That's never be a case in China. So economical model is very different. Um, so that's how, when you understand China, you have to go deep a little bit to understand there are so many aspects to define a service. Maybe you think it's a great service in the U.S. or Europe. It's not a good case in, in China. So I would say my, my challenge is, my argument is really, doesn't really matter. Like to Because people are talking about like, we should learn in between the China and the other rest of the world. But to me, it's, I don't think we need to learn. That's, that's the thing. Like, cause, cause there are a lot to learn. You need to learn the rest of the other thing rather than this service. The service that's a result of the, all the aspect working together to create something, right? You don't know, you don't need to learn the result. You learn why, what's going on around us. Like try to learn how people like family, think about the family, think about the culture, history. There are a lot of the other things. The least thing, the last thing you want to learn is service self, because you cannot copy the service. You know, uh, I, I still remember like a few years back, I was in, in China running some project. It's very interesting. I was selling, I was building a very complex system for selling luxury cars, right? Then I realized every time I went to the company, the, the client company, in front of the building, you you see those uh, like, like people. Are, uh, uh, it's um, a lot of riders. They're sending all the you know the, the food and also package delivery stuff, right? Every morning, the four hour, three hour, they're playing games, the cars and playing games. That is phenomenal. Like when I l remember that situation, I was like, oh god, there there it's a 
it's a social event. A lot of the writer because in the morning you don't have a lot of orders, so the people just you know taking the, the the free time like playing games and having some chatting. That's a social event. That nuances you don't really have that back in the U.S. But behind that is the big service side. It's it's delivering service. It's delivering. Experience. There's a com- a convenience experience, like how people keep saying, like China have the great like experience of like taking orders super fast. But that's the that's something like this. You, your convenience is sacrificing people's, you know, because people can spend time like doing this, like help you, like they're sacrificing that the labors. I would say that the people, they're real people. They have the different need. They're socialing. They're doing the social. They're they have family. So there are a bunch of things going on there. So back to my point, the service itself is you never learn the service because service is a result. You you probably want to learn the other aspect, those nuance nuances, those com, con, uh, similarities, those stories around the service. So that's really like people keep saying like this one. What's the point of you know China learning between the China and also West? I keep saying like you don't learn service. Service is nothing. You don't need to learn. You learn those aspects, the stories around those service because that how service became a service because those different other things are surrounding the service itself. So that that's my really point. Mm-hmm. You don't need to learn. You don't. I don't think you can learn. Well, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that a bit more. I think there are. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about that, about learning, uh, and I totally get that services are the result of the needs uh, and of the context and yeah. of the heritage. Like, uh, uh, but uh, the thing is, I I definitely can imagine that there are different uh, generic needs maybe that people have around services that f- flow from culture, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but. I also want to double click on on that design ex- aspect mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, service designs. So maybe once again, mm-hmm. just share your thoughts on how you feel Outside. design yeah. is perceived in China, and also maybe like where is it coming from? How has it evolved, and how does that compare to how we know it here in the West? Design in China is really practical. It works. It works. It doesn't work. People just like kill it and do another one. Right, so I would say comparing to the U.S. and other countries, I would say that prototyping costs is much much cheaper. Um, you can people are, I would say like people are not the cost things like people don't care too much about the cost in terms of the people are not arguing for because usually in the U.S. you need design thinking to argue to gather people together to make decision. There is a lot long process of making decision, right? Back in China is little bit. Everyone is fast. Everything, everyone is fast. Everything is fast. It's make decision is making super fast. Because when you have the young generations, like my age, I'm almost like 40, then you have the the key population of that age because um, making decision, decision maker, so they can take risk. So risk, when you have a generation like who can take a lot of risk, when you design something, you tend to make quicker decision. That create maybe cost wise is the process cost is much 
and you're small. Um, so in that case, you don't care too much about the approach. You know, China had this practical thinking, like from Deng Xiaoping was talking about no matter it's a white cat or a black cat, like when you catch a mouse, <laughs> that's uh, it doesn't matter, right? So China is, I, I see people are accepting those concepts and frameworks from the outside pretty open. In the book, they, they want to learn new things, but also they are abandoning things a lot. They don't have a, a long-term hobby or, or interest into one thing and keep doing that. They're absorbing like so many different things to create their own methodology, which is no methodology. They just do it. <laughs> so that's one fascinating aspect I learned from my Chinese you know, colleagues and also clients. They're open to new, learn new thing, but they don't stick to it. They don't like say, I need this process, do this because I love the framework. They say, no, you know, we do it. We don't do it. It doesn't matter. Like, you know, if it works, it works. Right. So that's really design side of thing. The China is way more like practical than other country. That's my observation. Um, Cause they can definitely create something cause they had the scale. Like, for example, I was living in the condo like back in China, in Beijing. There are 50,000 50, people in that one community. 50,000 people. You can do a lot of testing with 50,000 people living one because that's the difference. Like you have big population. They're cluttered into one space. You can do a lot of innovation with them. So testing is never be a big problem. So cost is lower. The process cost is definitely lower. They're so, really practical. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, really practical, really fast. And I'm sort of trying to reflect at the same time, uh, what does that mean for the design process? And to be honest, like you said, we don't, on the one hand, we don't care about the design process. We care about the outcomes and the results that it brings. And if we can do it faster. So yeah, there is a, yeah. yeah, so there is a good thing, a bad thing. The good thing is everyone is focused on outcome, focused on result. They're very result oriented. You know, I want to do this. I want this number. I get this number, regardless regardless of the approach. It doesn't matter, right? But the bad thing is, I don't think backing because because I I keep remembering, like try to think about the, what happened in the last like ten years. There's nothing really from there to come up to contribute to the community in terms of theory framework. Nobody's worth talking about because the people do not have time to think about practices, think about framework, think about methodology, what's useful, what's not. People do not have time to stay away and think about, rethink about the practice. So that's my, really the bad thing I see from China, which is I blame China to not having people thinking about those framework and practice and to contribute the design com community globally. Because as a as a community, you need those things, new things come to you create a framework, a practice to help the community design community to grow. So that's something like I see there is a bad thing, good thing. They're too rushed to you know, do some intelligence you know, and share outside the world to, to the outside world. So so that's that's good and bad thing. That's about, that's yeah. yeah, that's interesting because yeah, I, I wrote down it's probably a lot uh of things are short-term oriented and when you say it's yeah. i don't i don't see anything from the last 10 years that's uh, on the one hand that's really a, a shame like you wanna 
you, you want to have something that you can build upon that's something that can grow something that sort of surpasses maybe even generations like um, i don't know classics um and that's the thing that you see is missing there people don't have time but the, the but the mm -hmm. when i say that i said it's a bad thing mm -hmm. there was a good thing after mm -hmm. the bad thing you have a mm -hmm. good thing a bad thing but from the bad thing you have another good thing which is it to me i think this is we're talking about digital digital is about winners takes all right once you win, you always have people to help you create a practice to help you. Like that's what I, because even I challenge China doesn't have the, the thing to, you know, to output to the world. But one day if China wins, you know, people will create a framework for China. So that's, it doesn't really matter. Like that's really my thinking because in the five years, the 10 year scale, it's a bad thing. It's, you know, nothing happened, not, so when I look at those the industry sharing those, you know, the design conference, I don't see a good topic, right? But maybe after five years, 10 years, there's uh, another period of time like China because you need time for China to speed up. Because think about the Europe, Europe, uh, European community. We're talking about like 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of history of applied, um, you know, design, right? It's 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 never be a thing like in China like fifteen years ago, right? So we still have time. Yeah. Uh, again, this is because all I say, all I, my, my point here is really the the situation in China is because you have tech, you have tech giants, you have Alibaba, who has like Tencent, those giant company. They don't have an obligation to create a framework, a practice. Usually those things are driving by university and consultancies, right? But those two things are not well developed in, in China. So maybe that requires another 15 years to create a, you know, a driving power from the education and consultancy, mm. consultancies. Then you're going to have something like, because most of the innovation framework is really from Europe. Mm. I don't even see something here back in the U.S. I don't see a good um, frameworks. So um, when you say that uh, innovation and design is driven or eaten by these tech giants and their goal is to move fast and the winner takes yeah. it all, like uh, totally get that. If we look at the at the day-to-day -day services people use in China, mm -hmm. and you, I can add like it, it, it's huge, of course, uh, services are everywhere. How, who, who is taking care of them like are do people care like is there somebody who's uh is there a movement that is interested in improving like you maybe said healthcare or banking well banking is regular uh sort of state-owned regulated yeah. yeah so what's the take on that like who who is looking at the all the other services that aren't maybe tech driven or maybe is every service tech driven i don't know uh, my argument is really it's only two industries a lot of like private sectors and internet giants can do not everyone like even financial services is it's sort of highly regulated there are some issues there out there the two industries only the entertainment and also the including social and gaming everything that's that's part another one is commerce everything about commerce so if you think about the service design like maturity 
each country, if you think, because I keep think, thinking about the five things, about the five pillars of the service design, like how you define the maturity of the service design in the, in the one society, commerce, entertainment, and slash lifestyle, and also the uh, healthcare, financial services, and also social innovation, the governance side of things. So China is super advanced in the first one and two, entertainment, lifestyle, and also the commerce. And they're really like connecting between each other. So a lot of like good innovation in this space, how you create. Because even like right now, if you look at the, in the US, social and shopping are not really together. Not really. But in China, it's highly connected. You have the, the, the internet celebrities, uh, they're selling product. You don't see that thing in China, in the U.S., even Europe. I don't think there's a big thing. Like, it's still like separated. But China, because there's two things, social and also commerce, driving by Tencent and TikTok and also Alibaba and JD, they're driving agenda, driving the movement of this two space, two spaces. Alibaba was trying to create a connection between this commerce and finance, financial services, because, but it kind of like failed or you know, postponed. I don't know, because finance services is highly regulated. If you, write, if you read the news, there is a thing, right? So in that case, the rest of the three, the, the, you know, the city planning, social innovation, think healthcare and also the financial services are not really moving so fast because the driving forces, you don't see a big driving force behind that. Like maybe financial services, you have big bank, you know, they're for a long time, like for example, China Merchant Bank, they're buying our service for a long time. So they're doing a lot of social innovation and design, uh, design uh, uh, service design activities out there. There are a lot of things there. But you don't see a big driving force of the three. Because in the US, either you have community, you have consulting company changing the game, but you also have you know those big private companies driving the changes, like you know, like Deutsche Bank, for example, they're in Singapore, uh, the DBS, they're driving those changes. But then because in China there are a lot of state-owned territories, uh, it's hard. But I would say like the other two, super fast, like super crazy. If you go there, you can you you will be overwhelmed, like to see how deep those two things are connected, like entertainment and also commerce. People spend time in those in those things, right? That's why you see those companies like going abroad, like to think about TikTok and also the Shein. Shein is another like big commerce platform um, from China. So. Mm. That's why you see the two things coming yeah. out yeah. from those two, yeah, the first two. Yeah, so like you said at the start, it's really about understanding the culture, like which services can even be sort of influenced and where you can um, help yeah. and make progress and try things. The other thing I was curious about, and I don't know how much you still have uh, sight on that, but um, are young students in China interested in pursuing design like is design growing in the education space do you know anything about that oh so fast i think it's like because i was um when i was hiring my team back in 20 2009 or something 2010 
I realized the universe is a great uh, place to hide. Um, so I actually built a lot of good relationship with the different university in, in Tsinghua or in, uh, I think, China Media uh, University. There, that's when you see those comp, uh, those universities building new courses, uh, talking about service design, talking about design thinking. That's because if, if you calculate, it's been ten years. So that means the first graduate from that subject right now is already like five years to six year working experience, right? I definitely see a good. Very, uh, it's growing trend. Like the uh, designs, uh, designers are. I'll say like design education is growing up super fast. You see those, you know, the university opening new courses. For example, like fifteen years ago, there was no course called like in, even interaction design. There was no subject like that, right? Now you have a lot of like courses. You have the subjects talking about design. That's one thing. Second thing is. The graduate, the students,、uh, I think, it's growing. Also, a phenomenal in a very phenomenal speed. Like I see really good resume every year from you know either students like going、um, to the other countries and come back. The resume is really good.、Um, so I think the education system is growing and also it's building out the foundation to. Because to me, the education system is 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 a machine to create a new graduate, new new employee, the labors to the to the community, to the industry. So in that to that end, I think is growing, and also I think the designers see. That's why also I think thing I argue like service design sometimes is for the design student to to start, but maybe it takes because that's an argument I said this to my. You know the new hire. I said like even you learn the service design at university, but you probably do service design of ten year after you join the company. You join, you start the job because service design is about solving complex problems. It's solve. It's about co-creating value across the stakeholders. But if you are at the very bottom doing the hands-on stuff, you don't have opportunity to do that kind of design. So. Lower your expectation. Like even you learn a lot of thing about service design, good approach, but you probably need another ten years to really experience the service design, right? So, but people are again like back to the point of your question. Yes, yeah, people are so interested in this, those topics. It's adding value to resume as well.、Um, when you hire, you hire people. As I when I hire, I always want my Um, the, the graduate to present a good story, tell a good story about their design. If something related to service design, it's big plus one because you are solving you know the, the the problem in the reality. You're solving real life problem and complex problem. You understand those nuances from the social aspects. Which is adding the point to your resume, so that's reason why there is an economical dri-、uh, driver behind that to learn service design as well. Hmm. Hmm. That, that's a good thing, and I I know that the community is growing there, and that's that's also one of the reasons I'm so interested in、uh, speaking to more people who sort of understand and see what's going on there, because, like you said, al- although it's not captured yet, maybe to the degree that we're 
capturing it over here. There are smart people. They're doing smart things. We just uh, need to sort of surface them. And the other question I'm curious about is mm. sort of um, what's next? What, what do you see happening in, in the, the near future? Like you said, it's dominated by the tech giants. Like other services are highly regulated, which is hard to uh, sort of uh, let service down loose on them. There are students from the supply side. That thing is growing. Like, how is this going to evolve over the next few years? So I will say um, everything you want to forecast the future, you, you basically focus how China as a economy grows in the next like 10 years, right? From like, I was born in 1982, right? But from 1982 to now, the wealth in China increased about 77, 77 times. That's a huge change, right? But in the next like 20 years, do, I, do we still have that scale of change? I don't know, right? But China still have a lot of potential. You still have the you know, third tiers or fourth tier or even fifth tiers of, of cities. So to me, I would say, in the 15 years time scale, I don't see a big change in, in this first tier cities like Shanghai or Beijing or Shenzhen. So those are modern cities. You don't really see big difference. I don't think they're, they're a big difference. The real big differences in those cities, I think the average GDP is less than $8,000 per year. Those cities will have a lot of changes. So the design changes, the service will go to those cities. How people behave today in those first tier city will go to those third or fourth, the fifth tier of cities. So that's the change. So not really in the first tier city, you don't see a lot of changes, I don't think. And also the country, the power, there is a, we call it common, we call it like, a, you know, getting rich will be healthy together. That's really from the top, right? So they also want to drive this to increase the life quality, the economical you know, income for those you know, the third or even the fourth or fifth cities. So the big change will be there, but not really in the first tier city because we're, we're good enough, nothing to complain. I don't think that we should complain. Um, so that's really my point of view on if you ask a change in you know, 15 years. So the change was just if you want to do something in China, like design something, go to the third or fourth and fifth cities, um, the tier cities. Try to use what you learn from the first cities, first tier city, and migrate those things to because to me, the China will be the very similar to the US. Every city. Very similar. So that's when I compare Europe is different. How I, I wouldn't Europe is different, different world. I would say China and the US kind of similar, They're very practical. They're that's but there's no offense. Like there are two countries, only two countries work hard is China and the US. I think China, the Americans working really hard. So that's really my argument. China one day, the living style will be like the US. Um, 
I don't think there is a lot of elegant side of thing. Like you see the fancy stuff, you don't see a lot of fancy stuff in the in the U.S. Same thing in China because that's that how it works. So I love the practical side of you know um, my people, and also I love the practical side of the American people. They don't care about the fancy brand and that kind of stuff. So that's that's my my focus. Mm-hmm. You know, in fifteen years. And it would be like the U.S. You know, loud like shopping malls. So it's it's boring, but it will get there. Yeah, it's super <laughs> interesting that you say like some cities are quote unquote done. Like they're, it's they're, done. Yeah, they're, they're, it's they're done. done. But they're done. There, there are uh, tons of other cities where they're yeah where, that are going through that growth phase still. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. That other cities we're talking about the 10 million people. Exactly. 15 million people, 8 million people. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. opportunity out there. Super, yeah, and and they will benefit from having the design experience, the design uh, skills, yeah. mindset. That sort of like you mentioned, first generation cities sort of lacked, but uh, they turned out okay. Uh, but the other cities yeah. will sort of be able to build upon uh, a more advanced. Yeah design but, yeah. knowledge and practice so to me the first 20 years from 20, uh, 2000 to now like 2022 first like 20 years it's about migrating the design the services from the europe from the um, uh, the us to the first tier or even second tier of city but next movement there's nothing to migrate from the us or europe to the first tier shanghai if you go to shanghai it's, what, it's just like european kind of, uh, city and that's no difference but there is a big movement from the first tier cities, all the services, all the ways working, how people um, leave, will go to the third or fourth or fifth tier cities. That will be the next 20 years. Not really the first tier city. That's it. End game. I'm saying there's no opportunity. There's some opportunity, but it's very limited area because there is nothing to learn. Hmm. There are not much thing to learn to migrate from the the uh, Western countries. If um, if somebody approaches you with this question, I don't know how often you get this question, like uh, if there's one thing I should know about service design in China, Mm -hmm. what is it? Like maybe what's the one thing you hope people will take away from this conversation and remember about service design in China? (laughs) It's very, okay. I don't, so I will just like to why you want to know, right? I'll ask a you know counter question, like why you want to know about like service design in China? Because my argument is really when you because I don't like people to say, oh, because you're doing service design, you're you're different. Like, because I the one thing I hate to do is I'm in my company, I wouldn't call a, a role a service designer. Mm-hmm. Like somehow create like a privilege for a role to say I'm designing service. Oh, you're designing product or application. I, you're that. Nah, nah, I don't. You're not fancy enough. I'm fancy. So when people want to ask, okay, what do you? How do we learn about service design in China? I'll be a little bit hesitant to answer even that question. Like, do you? What do you know? What do you mean? Like, why you want to know? Because China, any as I said, like. China is very practical place. It's just a method. It's just a practice. It doesn't really matter. Like people were building design, like building new service, designing service. 
it doesn't matter you you do this by you know in somebody's head or you know, or, or collaborating with different stakeholders or using a, a terminology called service it doesn't really matter right so so i would say like better question will be how do you because i would say like okay service i have no comment like you know it's just a, it's a thing um it's a it's a movement but comparing to the other social movements it's nothing it's worth because china everything is moving so fast so you because because in the europe or the, uh, the western countries is a little different every simple smaller thing you call it movement but in china it's different it's not movement it's it's typhoon it's a tsunami it's it's different it's not movement it's because that's that's different like china that's because china's whole logics is about social movement it's about social experiment china itself is was originated as a social move uh, experiment it's about experimenting new alternative way of how the human being is like doing things and living in this, in this world is china is it it is the alternative comparing to other countries it's uh, it's working right then if you ask it, this this it's not a movement like socially also like uh, service design is not a movement it's just a thing comparing to other movement nothing but i think it's still a good thing people are learning it people it's a it's a good topic and people are doing that but if you ask me what's the situation out there, I'll, I'll say that it's not a movement because compare, it's not because it is not a movement, it's com comparing to other things, it's, it's just small. Mm. I, That's really my yeah. answer. <laughs> Thanks. And the way I sort of uh, try to wrap my head around this conversation is that uh, it's there, it's alive, it's growing. Uh, it's way less formalized because there is no time yeah. to formalize. Things are changing. Yes. There, things There's are no changing and moving all the time. And sort of, it feels like it's uh, a lot of things are moving and happening at the same time. And at some point, where things sort of crystallize, and maybe when they do slow yeah. down, there will be more yeah. time to yeah. Yeah. to formalize it and and uh, see what actually has emerged. But now it's like. There's a lot of dust and things are happening. People are at work and don't really care about frameworks, there, models. There is a there is a old saying in China. We call it like you don't get fish in a clear water. You only <laughs> you only get fish in the muddy water. The clear water, the fish are gone. And there's a lot of muddy water in, right now. <laughs> that's a lot of muddy water right now. There's a lot of muddy water right now. So, <laughs> That's why the service design is not a thing, is because there's a muddy water. Like yeah. you just like catch all the fishes. Yeah, fish. Maybe that's a good title for this episode. Jishwan, I want to thank you for sort of sharing your thoughts, and I, I'm I have a lot more questions, but for now, uh, let's keep it at this. Uh, super interesting, um, just for me to demystify and try to better understand, have more awareness, like brush up that blind spot that I uh, that I have around what's going on in other areas of the world. I hope that this topic can be covered more often on the show. Uh, but for now, I really want to thank you for making time and, uh, and getting on this chat with me. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. We're almost at the end of this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it and got something useful out of it. Like I mentioned at the start of this episode, if you're looking for a way to advance your career and become a more mature professional, 
the selling service down with confidence program might just be the thing that you're looking for. This program is going to help you clearly communicate the benefits of your work to non-designers to get the buy-in and support you need faster and to work on more meaningful and fulfilling challenges and do this all with confidence. As we have a limited number of seats available, there is an application process before you are accepted into the program. For all the details and instructions on how to apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash confidence. The application deadline for the last and final group of this year is September 30th, 2022. So again, for all the details on how to apply, head over to servicedesignshow.com slash confidence and you'll also find the link in the show notes of this episode. My name is Mark Fontijn and I want to thank you for being part of this community. Without people like you, this show wouldn't be where it is today. So keep making a positive impact and I'll catch you very soon in a brand new episode of The Service Design Show. See you then.